Yo, what's up? Welcome to the Movie Newbie. I'm your host, Jabril, and get ready for the show. Just a word of warning, spoilers ahead. Yo, what's up, guys? And we are back for episode seven. Damn. And I think we're about two months in now, a month and a half. We've got quite a few episodes under our belt. I hope we're we're doing well. I hope you guys are enjoying yourselves. And as usual, we've got the two guys, my two friends, Ollie and Raph. How about you guys say hello? Hello. 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 So... I think you guys have another theme and another movie for me. And I guess us, the listeners too, if you haven't watched the movie yet. Yeah, so uh, we thought we'd, you know, um, do a little change of pace following from our uh, somewhat harrowing discussion of Schindler's List last week. So for the next few episodes, we're going to be focusing on summer movies. And, you know, we probably shouldn't have to explain why. We're just about to enter into the summer season. And what better way to celebrate than to watch some of the best movies that invoke that feeling, that heat of summer. Yeah, and so basically, when we're talking about summer movies, we should be clear, we're not talking about uh, movies that were released during the summer or that are quote-unquote summer blockbusters. We're talking about movies that have to be set in summer. And more importantly, you couldn't think of um, or wouldn't be the same if they were set in any other time than summer. It's got to be something that that truly just isn't it's not just using summer as a backdrop it's a narrative device it's part of the life source of the story and so to kick this series off i thought that we should start with um in my opinion the ultimate summer movie and that is of course the one and only do the right thing spike lee's 1989 masterpiece robbed at the oscars Starring the director himself, the one and only Mr. Spike Lee. And so, uh, yeah, I'll just quickly run through some trivia about this film. Or So basically, if this film, if you can say this film has a plot, it's about a 25-year-old pizza delivery man living in Bedford, Storyfest in Brooklyn. It's basically just following him through one day. It's the hottest day of the year as he navigates his uh, neighborhood and he dips in and out of the lives of all of the residents of his street. At the same time, there are racial tensions that are simmering constantly in the background that rise to a boil and end in a climatic explosion of violence that uh, changes the lives of the characters forever. Um, so, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Well summed up. Thank you. Yeah. H- have you seen this movie, Raph? I have, yes, and I, I remember it leaving a very particular impression on me. Uh, I believe it was the f- second Spike Lee uh, film I watched after the insider. Uh, and to, to say that this is Spike Lee's masterpiece is absolutely right. Ollie has hit it on the nail here. Uh, there is no movie that comes close, uh, when you think of Spike Lee, then, then do the right thing. Sweet. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty excited to watch this movie. I don't think I've seen it before. 
it doesn't really ring a bell. Like, I know the title, but I don't think I've seen it. So I'm looking forward to it. I, th- I think you're going to really like it mm. in particular, Jabriel, because, I mean, for those who don't know or haven't been able to pick up on this already, uh, Jabriel is a musician. I think music's a big part of his life. And as with many Spike Lee films, uh, the music, the soundtrack of this film is inseparable mm. from the film itself. Um and uh yeah it's just full of color and music and life and so i think you'll really enjoy it yeah i I love i love a movie with a good soundtrack Mm -hmm. and this one has that in spades in spades do the right thing (laughs) well (laughs) (laughs) sorry i don't know why i said that (laughs) well uh do the right thing and watch this (laughs) film jabriel and listeners out there for sure i guess that's what we're gonna have to do then so um I'm going to go away, watch this movie, and I'll call you back in a bit, guys. And we are back. Just watched Do the Right Thing. And um, yeah, it was it was a pretty interesting movie. But before we start, uh, we just wanted to maybe put a little bit of a disclaimer in here and just say that we understand that this is a very, um, it's a very sensitive topic about racism in uh america and as three guys who haven't really experienced that sort of racism we just wanted to say that we're coming at this at a purely creative point of view and we want to just speak about the movie and um yeah you know this podcast is hosted by two white guys and uh one guy from bahrain and uh we have lived away from our native countries for many most of our lives but that was in asia and so certainly our experiences does not align with those of the people that are mostly portrayed in this film. And so I think it would it is a shame that we don't have uh, someone of uh, someone who's black or someone of African descent or someone who's even American on this podcast as a guest who could speak more truthfully to these experiences. But so but then that's a shame. But all we can do really, I guess, is just try and express our own opinions in as sensitive and respectful a manner as possible. And uh, we just want you guys to acknowledge that we are, you know, coming at this from a very limited perspective. I think now we can kind of dig into the film and uh, hopefully for you listeners out there, you'll understand where we come from. And uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll just try to have some fun with it as well because this is also a very funny film. I mean, it's a comedy and a drama and it's 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 yeah. got both, which is why I think... The balance is is just so right uh, uh, with this one, but um, I don't know if I was to start. But mm-hmm. Jabril, why don't you give us your your maybe your first impressions on this film uh, and what 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 you took away from it? Yeah. So the first thing is, I guess, why you guys decided to choose the movie is because it does feel like a really hot day. You know the way the there's always sweat <laughs> on the characters. <laughs> like throughout the day, you know, um, from the moment that they wake up, like you could feel that it's hot. And I think the way they use like really vibrant, warm colors, you know, a lot of red, orange, pinks, and the way the set was designed, like I heard that Spike Lee wanted the set to be as warm looking as possible. So they actually tried to paint it as orange and red and brown, like as much as they could. Uh, so I really, really enjoyed that part of the movie, like throughout and the way mm-hmm. that it gets hotter throughout the day, 
you can feel the character's emotions rising as well. And um, I don't know. I just compare it to myself. Like, yeah, when it's really hot, mm. like, it sucks. You know, like, I, I can imagine you guys remembering Singapore when it's just a really gross, humid, yeah. hot day. And it's hard to... Mm have a cheerful mood you know so yeah i i it's kind of like um you know uh do you ever have that thing where you don't know why but you feel really irritable and mm -hmm. you're really short with people or you're just in a bad mm -hmm. mood and then you realize later that you were just hungry because you have some food <laughs> yeah. yeah and then all of a sudden you're in such a better mood yeah. and i think you can get that with like hot mm -hmm. weather as well or like really hot humid sticky weather where you're just walking around and you haven't diagnosed yeah. the issue yet but you just know that you're kind of pissed off <laughs> you're gonna be a, exactly your tempers you're a lot more short-tempered than you usually are and then you realize oh yeah because i was physically uncomfortable i was just you know sweat pouring out of my skin <laughs> and i just felt like i was walking on a barbecue the whole day yeah and i think we can relate to maybe some of the heat in this film just because we grew up in singapore where it's in a way it's constant heat uh, mixed in with humidity. It's kind of that tropical heat, which could be a little different, but there is that relatability of, of yeah. yeah, we we were sweating every day when we lived there. At least I was. I mean, I had, you know, <laughs> palms of sweaty mom spaghetti up in here. But um <laughs> but it was but it was uh it was one of the, the, the main aspects and I think Ollie uh, uh chose a, a such a, a great movie to start us off with with kind of this summer um theme with Do the Right Thing. Because you're right, Gabriel, it so explicitly shows you how yeah. hot it is in this film, not just with the, 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 the makeup department that, you know, makes sure that every character is sweating throughout the day, but also the warm colors, the tones, everything. Um, like, I don't know if it was just me, but when Mookie took a shower, did you feel yourself cool down? Because, mm. like, you could tell his mood, you know, <laughs> yeah, his mood in the shower was so like vibrant and bright and then like for the rest of the movie he's like come on man like just yeah where's my money yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely yeah, absolutely true. and uh i don't know i i i mean i appreciate what you're saying raf as well but like i think this is an interesting um movie to talk about when we're trying to talk about summer movies because on the one hand also just uh, clearly as we've discussed it evokes the feeling of a hot summer's day really well but it also um, shows a different side to summer mm -hmm. or a different experience of summer than we might be used to or, or, or what we might commonly associate with the season. Like, I think when we think of summer, we think of, you know, break from school or from work, holidays, beaches, you know, barbecues, uh, maybe a bit of the, the it gets a bit too hot sometimes, but just generally like leisure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I so I, I, I mean, I don't know why, but just thinking about this movie, I'm thinking of, um, do you guys listen to Chance the Rapper? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so you know his 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 mixtape Acid Rap, his like breakthrough? Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. So he's this track in it and it's called Paranoia and I remember that I think it's like in the, in the lyrics he's talking about how it's uh there it's summer has arrived in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And you have like the sound of I think like children running around the streets and playing in the background, but the whole song is really dark and foreboding. Mm -hmm. And the, he's speaking from a place of paranoia, because in Chicago, statistically, uh, when summer hap when it's summertime, there's more murders or like gun violence than there is for the rest of the year, because people are out and about the streets because it's hot and because I I don't know what are the factors you know that are involved, but it's just 
it's a it's it's a sign of things to come in terms of, of violence yeah. mm-hmm. and um so and I, I i guess that's maybe what spike lee's coming at here he's showing that you know summertime when everyone's when you know no one's at work and everyone's out of their homes um that and when the heat is up that's when you know shit could go down absolutely yeah and i and i feel like we we come from a point of privilege where yes it is leisurely or or it, summer uh kind of describes a sense of, of freedom and and holiday but people are still hustling people are still you know working out there and and trying to you know financially help themselves and their families and this would you know a conflict would arise throughout all of these interactions and that's exactly what we see here um and i think the strength lies in all the characters that spike lee has created because the way they interact with one another and the way they are by themselves uh, you grow to love them you grow to hate them you grow to feel for them uh and and all of their interactions that they have because they have a job to do most of them you know others are 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 leisurely having a stroll or a conversation and it's that interwoven kind of community feel that that gets you um that gets you to, to to join along with this movie and with the script mm, mm-hmm. yeah absolutely i think what's really effective is the use of i guess literal and figurative heat you know mm. like there's heat within the emotions and the interactions between the characters and there's also literal heat in the temperature of the movie and the way it boils up to the basically the finale of the of the movie Mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. I don't know done in such a very intricate way, you know, with the way the movie's filmed, and it just reminds me of when we watched Rear Window, and it was pretty much the same thing, like mm. the emotion and the like the literal and figurative, yes. I guess, environment boils up to the main point in the movie, and I uh, I don't know, I'm just guessing here. Um, yeah. No, it's a good point. That's actually a really good summer yeah. movie. Yeah, so <laughs> no, it is. Um, I think maybe the use of that is just really, really awesome. Like they should be teaching that in, I guess, screenwriting classes or something. Well, Lee drew inspiration yeah, from from one of Hitchcock's um, episodic features, actually. Uh, I, I believe it was Shopping for Death, uh, where the main characters discuss uh, in Hitchcock's shopping for death the main characters discuss how rise in temperatures lead to violent acts and lee mm-hmm. drew a lot of inspiration from that so again circling back to hitchcock and his influence throughout yeah. the whole cinema i mean this is must be the our, our homie the hitchcock time our homie the yeah, one the absolutely. only hitchcock um but but you see how um how interconnected a lot of these movies are or a lot of these uh, uh themes and, and symbols are they 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 draw inspiration from one another and mm. and yeah it just comes full circle i feel i feel like we've referenced hitchcock at least three times now with with this podcast so that's how it is when it comes to me looking at art you know i've studied art in the past so i know what could be inspired by like maybe this certain painting was inspired by picasso you know, and in music, I can, I, I can tell that this band was inspired by this band. But now I'm starting to see it mm-hmm. in movies. You know, like mm. ever since we started yeah. this, I'm starting to like, yo, there's there's some connections. You know, like, yes, it's I can working. see it here and there. Well, then the cool, the Kool Aid, the Kool Aid yeah. is working. <laughs> it's good, it's good. Yeah, um, going on, I guess the symbolism with the heat and how effective that was. Um, I just wanted to maybe expand on that and talk about the symbolism throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys have seen yeah. it like through the characters, 
um, like Demare and um, Mother Sister, or mm-hmm. even like Bugging Out and Radio Rahim, like they all really symbolize certain, I guess, strifes within the racism in, I guess, that time period. Like maybe not having a voice or trying to be super peaceful, you know, like I think Demare was trying to try to keep peace among everybody in his community. While mm-hmm. I guess Mother Sister was like the watchful eye, while Bugging Out was maybe the energetic one, but not necessarily the agitator. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And his name was Bugging Out, you know, like he was bugging out yeah. throughout the movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, like and Radio Raheem, Radio Raheem. had a radio exactly. throughout the movie. <laughs> so <laughs> I wonder if Spike Lee knew what he was doing. Uh, he was writing these. It, it's ingenious. Well. It, it really is. Uh. <laughs> I mean, like the use of symbolism throughout the movie. Like I felt reading between the lines in this movie was a lot more powerful than just watching what was yeah. going on. Yeah, no, absolutely, sure. absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, I. I was really excited to um, to discuss this film with you guys um, and to have the opportunity to recommend it on this podcast because uh, rewatching it this weekend um, has just reminded me why I love this movie mm-hmm. so much and um, just what a great visceral piece of filmmaking it is. And I think definitely, I mean, probably Spike Lee's best film, but yeah, it's it's... You can see why people call it his masterpiece. Yeah. And like it, the thing is, like, well, we're talking about all these things that we're, you know, we can talk about the symbolism and about the context of the storyline and about the grave implications of the ending and the moral quandaries at the heart of it. But I think like you should, you know, as you mentioned, Raf earlier, I think you wouldn't want to talk too much about this movie without mentioning just how much fun yeah. it all is. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's why it's, I think why this, in my opinion, should be mandatory viewing for people growing up is because it does, um, you know, dive into these issues of like racial tensions and whatnot, but it doesn't, you know, force feed them to you in a didactic way. It's, there's just a lot of like vitality and fun in this movie, a lot of good jokes. And yeah, and it brings out that uh, joy of summer as well as, you know, um, the kind of, uh, the, the, you know, the volatility as well. Mm-hmm. It has, I feel like this movie implies all the emotions and you see all the emotions through all of the characters. And this is what Spike, I think, I feel like the foundation of this film or the foundation of do the right thing is, is the real sense of community that Spike Lee has, has, has created, uh, you know, mm-hmm. weaving these characters lives with one another, building a community that feels organic and connected because without it, it wouldn't have been the same film. You wouldn't have cared as much. You wouldn't have been, uh, you wouldn't have been allured as much. Uh, and the climax wouldn't have been as significant, um, as it was. Mm-hmm. So really the importance of having all these characters and their interaction be funny be relatable be um aggressive all of it that's i think the wide array of emotion is what paints um this movie in such vibrant colors as well as the actual physical colors that it has yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely there were loads of amazing scenes that made me laugh like Mm -hmm. um like when uh bugging out gets his like shoe scuffed by the guy with the bicycle Absolutely. Um, that was yeah. I found that really funny because like I can imagine myself getting like really pissed off like I would I would be super pissed if that happened you know like you get a fresh <laughs> pair of like white 
like white trainers and then somebody just runs over it with a with a bicycle like that mm-hmm. is one of the worst feelings i think and that's why i uh, and that's why I, I i personally i i have like one or two pairs of white trainers and i never wear them yeah. out because i'm afraid of that happening like that would ruin mm-hmm. my day yeah mm-hmm. but and i found that so I, funny. you shouldn't feel that way about shoes <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely and i think like a really funny piece of um a little joke as well is just how the uh, the guy who with the bicycle who runs over his shoe mm-hmm. you know who isn't you know like totally blameless but is also you know kind of like he shouldn't be you know getting berated yeah. just for that yeah. anyway but it's like you can see that the others are like sort of like egging bugging out on but anyway yeah that character with the one with the bike he's uh wearing a larry bird like basketball exactly shirt. <laughs> larry bird. Yeah, i think like, at that funny. time I, I don't know a lot about basketball but i'm i do know that he would have probably been like if not the only like one of the only super well-known white basketball stars <laughs> wow but, i didn't know like, that i didn't know that at all wow yeah like one thing is is like boston and new york the new york knicks during the time really really had like a strong rivalry like they hated each other and i think i'm pretty sure spike yeah like why lee, would you wear a spike lee's a huge yeah. knicks fan every like i think the biggest knicks fan so <laughs> i think the effect of having that larry bird shirt like to show the pure hate that they that they have towards that man for doing something mm. like that like i thought that was really good yeah no absolutely um but like another funny scene i think is when they uh break open the fire hydrant mm. on the street because i think that's something we've seen oh, in yeah. movies our whole lives growing up but i don't like fire hydrants aren't a thing in the uk i mean they weren't a thing in singapore i, I don't think they were right like i i, I don't think i've ever I, seen a fire no, hydrant. no. There, there are never. fire hydrants there are fire hydrants in like everywhere but the public won't be able to just like open it, nor do people do that in those countries. Like I'm sure in Singapore, you probably get oh, a fine. But you know? in Singapore, they, we have swimming pools, right? They don't look right? like. So... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I don't. But the the fire hydrants that you see in like American movies in those classic summer sequences mm-hmm. where they burst them open yeah. and all the kids are running through the fountain of water. I never those like big red fire hydrants that dogs pee on. I never see those no, anywhere. No, if no. I'm if I'm not wrong, in the UK they're either hidden in underground, underground think, or usually. like within a wall of a building, or there's like a box over. Yes, it. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But yeah. yeah, so these these are the kind of things that that we yeah we can't really relate to on a on a on a human level because yeah we've never even just experienced that kind of fire hydrant so yeah but but <laughs> that is that is the, that is the yeah. key experience yeah, we're not exactly. relating to here just fire look at hydrants. that fire hydrant and see if you can relate to it um, no but it's <laughs> but 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 there is so many movies use that kind of trope right and 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 whether it's it's an actual um reality which i'm sure it is um it's still such a rejuvenating scene because not only one it's a symbol of water you know thirst quenching all of that but it's summer so you want to get wet you want to you want to have water on your body because it feels so good yeah yeah and the idea of like um you know, I mean, I I have to assume that doing the opening a fire hydrant when there's not a fire is illegal. Like you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. But anyone, everyone's just partaking in it anyway because it's they just need yeah. anything, whatever relief they can get from the from the unbearable heat and like how everyone just dances through the water and even you know when they spray that guy in the car the um uh I just think yeah even though it's you know 
it does result in like the police getting involved and kind of a conflict coming out of it. It's kind of inconsequential and it's just mm-hmm. fun. Absolutely. And, and, and those, those are the scenes that really uh, alleviate um, some of the, some of the tension that, that, that is threaded um, along this film. And I like to, I like to think that the tension is, is, is a lot like a, uh, the tension that rises in this film is a lot like a thermometer, right? It measure measuring each individual's aggression towards one another, um, just as this particular summer day gets hotter and hotter up to boiling point. So all these little uh, scenes of comedy, of, uh, of fun, really help kind of elevate uh, the insufferable tension uh, that if, if, if it was done without, you would, have been, you would have been succumbed with all this drama and all this tension. It wouldn't have worked as well. Uh, and another and another interaction that I, I love so much is the mayor and mother sister. I mean, their interactions are some of my favorite scenes, even even the very beginning, their first interaction when he says, why do you always have to, you know, why do you always have to like hate on me? You know, it's just those little things are, are what make this movie so human. And that's the one that's one of the few um, silver linings at the end of this film, because, you know, there's an unbelievable tragedy at the end. And so it's a pretty uh, dark ending in many respects, but you get that um, that reconciliation yes. or that uh, or between the, the characters of uh, uh, mother, is it sister, mother, and yes. yeah, 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 mother, sister, mother, sister. and um, mother, sister. Oh, mother, sister, and uh, Demea. Yeah. Who again? This is really cute. Those actors are were married in real life. Oh, okay, yeah, that's for like fifty years. I thought cute. so. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I just love that character of the the, the performance, sorry, yes. that Ossie Davis gives as the mayor. Because I just love how um, both in his performance and in the writing from Spike Lee, I love that they tried to, they took this character that could have been in some, in, in many other films, it has been like a one note mm-hmm. joke. Like, oh, let's laugh at the, uh, the yeah. town drunk, the neighborhood yeah. drunk, who will do anything, you know, including giving money to a kid just to buy him beer. Yeah. Um, and they would have turned him into a subject of mockery, but they try to give mm-hmm. him dignity. You know, he has that scene where those um, those those young guys, you know, um, the guys and girls, like one of whom is played by Martin Lawrence, just berating him on the street and making yeah. fun of him. And he's like, "I really he's just saying like, like that. where's your compassion? Yeah, where's your like? Just give me some mm-hmm. dignity. Yeah. You know, I may be a drunk, I may be homeless, I may be a you know, I may be a wretch, but I, I'm still a yeah. human being. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's pretty interesting because, like you said, in most other movies that would be like a funny part of the movie but in this one i really i really felt uncomfortable i was like why are they doing that they're being such assholes right now like leave him alone like he didn't do anything to you guys you Mm. know like i i was really i was i was i was pretty sad about it i was like man leave the guy alone he didn't do anything and and you see like the the, these confrontation these conflicts aren't just um I guess, for lack of a better word, black and white. They, they, there is so much more to it because you know, it, these this community doesn't just hate on a. They're not singling out a particular um, ethnicity or a particular uh, people, but they're 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 con- they're conflicting and, and and arguing amongst each other, amongst one another. You know, it's not just mm-hmm. oh, there's Sal's business and let's hate Sal's business. There's the Korean um, uh, 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 grocery store and let's hate on the. It's it's all they're all kind of like taking part in 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 having a piece of uh, of the pie. You know, uh, and mm-hmm. I feel like uh, a lot yeah. of it comes uh, at least from what I 
took away from it uh, after watching it again is the sense of entitlement that that a lot of these characters have. Um, for Sal, it's his business, and 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 for for Ra- for for Rahim, it's his radio. Um, for Mookie, it's money. You know, he's always he always wants that money. Um, and and there's a bit of that entitlement that goes around. With, uh, a lot of I, I, I want this, I need this. And I feel like that, um, mm-hmm. is, is also paints, uh, the backdrop of, of the summer heat of like, I want this, I want water, I want money. I want my business to thrive. Uh, and it, and it breaks down once obviously Mookie throws the trash can or once Radio Rahim dies, um, th- there is no more I, it's all we, and it's all chaos. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a good point, but you're right. And also like summer is a, it's a season of yeah. desires and like your desires just come to the fore what you want, like your, your most base desires. And, um, and you're right. Absolutely. Everyone, everyone, everyone basically is trying to, you know, stake their own, they're trying to stake their yeah. own place. Fend for community. themselves. Right. And what's weird. Yeah. The film goes to such great lengths to point out, you know, to have these characters point out the differences in terms of their ethnicities, their cultural heritage, mm background but what this movie goes to show is that there's no way you could put all these people together in such a small confined space as like a neighborhood street and not have them all play a pivotal part in each other's lives regardless of if you're italian american if you're african american if you're um uh, latinx or if you're uh, korean american you know you're all part of the same ecosystem and you feed off one another and you provide for one another Um, and the failure to recognize that does play a part in you know uh, helps to set up the um the yeah climax. and i feel yeah. like yeah and and that yeah actually that's that's it i couldn't have said it better <laughs> 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 uh, all right see you guys see no, you next I was week just going off what i was yeah, going yeah, no, no, for sure, but you've just expanded it to where like kind of i wanted it to go so thank you for that <laughs> Oh, no problem. See, this is why we're so well together. I love, I love you. you. <laughs> I love you. Um, so, okay. So, how about? <laughs> but yeah, but I, I, I talk, talk, talking more about Mookie uh, uh, and 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 his character. Um, what did you guys feel about? Did you guys feel like he was the kind of the central, um, the mediator uh, for a lot of these conversations and the peacekeeper? Uh, what like what was your take on on his whole character? I guess maybe Jabril. I don't know. You know, like mm. a lot of the interactions that he had with people, I I didn't get. You know, like mm-hmm. well, with a lot of the movie, I found it kind of confusing at first. Like I didn't really know what was going on or what they were trying to say, and um, I was just confused overall. Uh, mm-hmm. But then when I started, I think I know why you, I. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. As I started to like watch the movie, I started to maybe get a more bird's eye view of mm. every character together, and that's when I started getting what what was going on, rather than just focusing on Mookie's character. Because if you yeah. just focus on Mookie's character, it is a pretty boring storyline. Dude goes to work, kind of lazy, doesn't really come back in time, does wants to get paid, um, and in <laughs> the end. He's like forced to do something maybe or just for like he gets put into a position where he has to make a decision and mm-hmm. it's just yeah but like as a movie as a whole with all the characters and stuff that's when I started to understand when everything was combined into one mm. yeah but I don't I, I don't know well I think I, th- I think it's interesting to point out that maybe the reason why you had a hard time kind of following the story at the beginning is because this film is not like most other films and that it doesn't set up a clear 
um, conflict and premise mm-hmm. early on. It's more of a hangout film. Mm-hmm. And I think hangout, that idea is going to be going to come up again in our discussion of summer movies. Um, because, you know, there often isn't a lot going on in summer. You're just kind of relaxing. Um, so, yeah, like maybe just because you were wondering where like the, um, you know, where the story was taking you or what was the ma- major conflict. But instead, it just keeps hopping between these different scenes, mm. essentially, like these vignettes um of you know these different little pockets of this community just kind of interacting with Mm -hmm. one another yeah and often just having conversations like i feel like it's because of my experience not really being familiar with that kind of like community i just didn't really get parts of the movie like i just put it off as like oh this is just a very artistic way to try and explain something like um the love hate scene Mm-hmm. like the punching with my right and my left like oh yeah i love that i was like this is cool and i like what's happening but what like i was i was confused mm. or even smiley's smiley's character i found it confusing i was like what's the purpose but then in the end like i realized that oh, okay it's to show what a community like that looks like and it's mm-hmm. a reflection of maybe other people's communities um, throughout the United States and maybe questioning each and every person within those communities, are they doing the right thing? And that's mm-hmm. what I realized later on rather than while watching the movie. Like while I was watching the movie, um, I was just like, what's going on for half the time? Until the ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So would you say that held you back from enjoying <clears throat> the movie as you were watching it? Um, it just made me like focus more on like, the the film like you know like the angles of the way it was filmed and the soundtrack and um i really liked the the wardrobe i thought like they all were like dressed really really cool um Mm -hmm. like sal's shirt um bugging out shorts i thought those were really cool like um mookie with the dodgers jersey like i thought like the wardrobe was cool the the way it was filmed was really cool like i focused more on that rather than anything else and I, I i still enjoyed the movie a lot and like it was pretty comedic and but to, to carry on with the, the 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 costume design uh there was a specific reason why they all looked like they did um and that's because spike lee and the costume designer uh wanted to specifically choose to represent their attitudes with these racially um, or these racial coded clothes um so a lot of it is very specific and very detailed which is yeah like good eye on, on on spotting that and 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 noticing that yeah. yeah i mean there was like multiple instances during the movie where i was like oh i i, I want that i want that mm. i want that like i just i just really well like i think that's both, that's also because like nine isn't that also because like 90s um in particular early i know this film was short sorry late yeah, 80s right 89. so it's 1989 right okay so but that kind of late 80s early 90s aesthetic like uh, particularly in sportwear mm-hmm. Yeah, I think has been making a big resurgence in the past five to yeah, ten years. Absolutely. Right? I mean, it seems that way to me anyway. So I could understand why people would watch this movie and really hone in on the fashion is just like, you know, because I think we identify a lot with it. What now. really made me like this movie is that 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 era of hip hop is probably like my favorite era, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. I loved mm-hmm. The mm. music that came out of that time, you know, like um, NWA, like the there was like the gangster rap on the West Coast. And then there was like the more intellectual stuff coming out of New York and mm. um, 
even just like the b-boying and then the 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 wardrobe like the way they looked yeah yeah i just loved that time period of hip-hop yeah, so, Wu Tang Clang, Public yeah. Enemy, you know, L. Yeah, 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 like all. Yeah, of them. yeah. Well, wow. where, where do you guys, where do you guys fall on? So we obviously, I mean, Public Enemy play a massive part in this film <laughs> yeah. because I, I think the late, the, the late motif of the entire film yeah. is the song yeah. uh, Fight, "Fight the, the Power,", power yeah. and so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you just are you probably I mean it'd be a really brutal drinking game to, <laughs> yeah. to just do a do a couple of shots every time that song yeah, appears in this sure. movie. <laughs> But um, what do you guys think of of uh, Public Enemy and, and like that song? Oh, it's it's a it's a hip hop classic. Oh yeah, I mean, for sure. it's one of my I think one of my well, I mean I don't listen to it all the time, but whenever it does pop up of like on one of my playlists, I'm always like vibing to it. I really like Public Enemy, especially the song. Yeah, it defines the uh, the racial political you know discourse that America was in at the time and still is. So you know it's such an important kind of song too. You know, the significance yeah. of it. I I think that um, the release of this song had kind of coincided with the release of this film. Mm. I'm not entirely sure. I know it was on their mm. first album, I believe. But um, I think like uh, Public Enemy and Spike Lee have had a long working relationship right. with one another. Like Spike Lee, uh, Public Enemy did the score for, um, or contributed a couple of songs to at least one of their other films. Like he got game. Okay. But um, uh, and I think, but I think they have like a special version of the song just for mm, this movie. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I haven't done my research, but the, there's like a lot of saxophone towards the end of the mm -hmm. song when it appears in this film, and I think that was laid on especially for this film, um, with the people who worked on the on the score oh, for the film. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Spike Lee's dad, by the way, who did the, I think, fantastic jazz score for this film. Yes. Well, he was a jazz musician, I believe, right? Mm. Uh, yes. Yes, he was. He was. Yeah. 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 He played with some some of the big hitters as well in the 60s and 70s. But I just think also just that it, while we're still on the topic of that song, I just have to get this in here before we stop recording. I think that opening sequence, the opening credit sequence, is the best opening credit sequence of all time. <laughs> yeah, like, for sure. I'm throwing down the gauntlet. If anyone can come back at me with a with their own, you know, uh, their own contender for best opening sequence credit sequence can, of all time. But I, 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 I guess, think I guess for it's me, so it's memorable. the ones that can that can keep me awake. Because if it sucks, I'm falling asleep. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, because yeah, we were talking about this with Rear yeah. Window about how I, we're not we're not um, we're not trained or conditioned to have enough of an attention span to sit through two minutes of just boring <laughs> credits. Ollie, I think you mentioned it, that as movies got more, um, uh, the movies in the modern days they did have an opening credit scene, but it would never be like the main focus. Like something else was going on, and this is a great example of yeah. that. Yeah. Well, it's not even like the stories you're seeing any of the story unfold. No, no, not at sequence. all. It's literally just an excuse for Rosie Perez, who was a dance, professional mm -hmm. dancer at this point in her career, to just fucking, I don't know, just to let it loose yeah. on the screen. I actually, I can't really refute from uh, this opening sequence being the best. I, I like to think it's definitely in my top 10. Um, so you're exactly right. But I can give a fact about this opening sequence actually it took eight hours to film um and what? the reason why it took eight hours is because spike lee kind of wanted rosie paris to feel exhausted to be exhausted with pain and anger ah. um and that pain and anger 
uh, was actually directed at Spike Lee, Rosie Perez says, uh, because he made her dance for so long that her thighs started hurting, her head started hurting, the whole, whole body started aching. So he really got her rage and her exhaustion and her hate, which which is why it's it's so brilliant. So that's that's and that's like um that brings you into an interesting uh, conversation in general about um morality and art and what a director sh or a filmmaker yeah. or a storyteller should be allowed to get away with with their actors because i mean talking of hitchcock hitchcock famously frankly tortured mm. some of his main usually actresses and i think that's a recurring theme as well like but in particular be bullying female actors in order and and sometimes you can make the argument that by doing that it has brought out the best performance they mm. could get but does that justify the actions like with you know Stanley Kubrick yeah. in The Shining he he picked on and tortured Shelley Duvall and she gives an astounding performance in that film um but you know does that make it right and uh, you know and I I'd, I'd also I'd, I would like to hear your guys opinion on this but uh I'll just quickly mention as well that speaking of Rosie Perez this is not the only this would not be the only instance of her being mistreated I think no, on the set of this know. film I think I know exactly what scene you're um, about to mention Mm -hmm. But I, I guess we can talk about that in a, in a second, but I'd like to hear you guys' thoughts just about this whole issue of what a director should be allowed to well, get away with. Like I mean, for, I, for me, uh, yeah, oh, wait, you know what? Actually, Raf, you, you have to go because you're uh, the actor here. Yeah, and I want to know your, work no, your opinion just, on yeah. this. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I, as an actor, um, especially coming from theater, um, I like to think that uh, a director... And then again, I'm a male, heterosexual, white, you know, actor. So there is a lot of controversy surrounding um, directors pushing female actors to, to a breaking point. But I guess for me, where I stand on this is um, if a director wants to push me to the limits, I like to think that that is, uh, that is to an advantage for me to get the best results for myself and for the movie or for the or for the play that I'm doing, especially in theater. Um, there's a lot of extraneous, uh, exhaustive uh, moments that could, that, that lead to that moment, especially, especially in theater, because you're, you're on stage for, you know, what can be two to three hours to four hours. So to get to that point is, is maybe less difficult because you can push yourself to that point. Whereas in film, you kind of have to get there right away as, as you record. So there are a few techniques that are definitely controversial um, and, and have to be um, and you have to be careful with with a director giving you specific notes or giving you uh, berating you with with um, with this push and this this exhaustion. Um, but where I stand, sometimes I, I like to I like to have that. But yet again, heterosexual white male. So I, I don't know what it comes to females. Yeah, that's definitely mm. something that's controversial. Like, for me, I think there has to be a line drawn somewhere, you know? Like, what, when, when does, um, how do I say it? Like, when does something become abusive? That's, that's my issue, you know? Like, if, I, I do understand that the director is trying to do their job, but when does that interfere with the actor's, like... I don't know. Like, when does it become more abusive for the actor? There, yeah, there needs to be a dialogue. Just because that it, yeah, just because it, it results in maybe a better movie, 
doesn't mean you could do that to another person. This is another professional also trying to do their job. Like if you're working at a normal desk, like desk job, you know, if you were subject to that kind of thing, that, that could be seen as bullying, you know, which I, that's another conversation as well. The abuse that comes from those kinds of jobs, but like you should definitely take into account the, the actor's point of view. Uh, I don't know. It's, yeah. I, 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 the only the, yeah, sorry, go on. the only um I guess experience I have with this is um I'm gonna bring it back to football here and um it, some coaches oh, right course. some coaches will some coaches will you know treat you like a son you know they'll they'll give you the blow dryer treatment to make prop uh, possibly make you play better and sometimes they'll like t- sit you down and tell you what to do in contrast to some managers who like just, you know, like straight up insults, like to your face that you're shit, you can't Mm -hmm. do anything, blah, blah. So like there's a right and there's a wrong. And I think the line should be drawn where, you know, Mm. just do the right thing. Yeah. Like be nice. This is 1989. Right. So a lot of of directors did get away with it or a lot of uh, people with power got away with all sorts of shit. So it's, yeah, it's a different era as well. Mm -hmm. So, the scene I'm guessing you guys are talking about is when she she gets naked on screen. The nudity scheme scene is that is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, apparently yes, it is. Apparently there is a shot um, in the in the film where in the sequence where it is just a close up of her, you know, exposed breasts. And um, like that scene in general, I always thought was you know quite a positive sex scene because it just you know it was erotic in the right ways and it just seemed quite sweet. But apparently the reason, so in the shot where you don't see Rosie Perez's face, apparently the reason why was because she was crying mm-hmm. at the time because she really didn't want to do that to get naked for this, for the, sh- for the scene Whoa. because she was worried about, this is the first time she'd acted in anything. And this was, she was really worried about what her parents yeah. would think, what her family Whoa. would think. And so by the sounds of it, she was really pressured into doing that. And was made it clear that she wasn't comfortable, yeah. but um, had I guess did it had to do it. Felt she had to do it anyway, um, which is obviously not cool. Like I knew she was uncomfortable, but I didn't know that she was crying during the filming of that. That's yeah, wow. Yeah, it's um, not great. Doesn't reflect very well on um, Spike Lee. But you know that's just yeah. But that is uh, that's that's an unfortunate. Um, you know that's an unfortunate bit of truth behind the story but it doesn't necessarily um you know uh doesn't necessarily have any impact on what is portrayed on screen you know in terms of like what's going through going on with the characters but it i think it's worth bringing up i think in this review you know Mm -hmm. um i say we move on to the final act before we close this down because we haven't we haven't really talked about it Um, for sure but yes um, i i like to think the when you come to, to towards the climax of this movie, there's a desperation with this final act. I mean, at, at least for me and maybe some viewers out there, you so desperately want them to solve this in another way, a different way to, to, to come to terms with their rage and aggression, to, to simmer down and resolve their indifferences. But inevitably chaos does ensue and, and a ride is sparked because enough is enough. And I like to think that I think doing the right thing is it's not about that. It, it it never was. It was just about for me. Enough is enough. 
and that's that's where I, I take my stand on it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, Jaber, what do you think? So, um, this movie came out towards the end of 1989, was it? Uh, yeah, I believe it was. I don't specifically remember the uh, uh, July, July, yeah, July, July. 1989. Yeah. Okay. So I might be wrong here, but um, I believe this is the same. It's around the same time that the that Central Park incident. Uh, I think it's the Central Park Six, where Six. Um, uh, Central Park. Central five. Park Five. Yeah, um, I think this was around the same time. So yeah, late I guess, 80s. So I want to say. I guess emo- emotions during that time in New York were at a boiling point. So. Well, people thought there was gonna this the release of this film would incite riots, yeah. wow. which was itself like a pretty yeah. racist. Yeah, yeah, people were, were were really worried that this film would be interpreted as as completely advocating for violence, and that viewers would not be able to restrain themselves and would just start, you know, rioting yeah. after seeing this film, which didn't happen, no. of course. And yeah, you know, um, it says so a lot stupid. about what people thought about. Yeah, that just reminds me of like the um, NWA album, like the "Fuck the Police" song, mm. like similar stuff where they would be barred from doing concerts because they thought it would spark a riot. Like, oh, that's so uh, frustrating. Yeah. It's just it's just white white fears, you know. Like I think Lee replied to that very comment where I think it was a columnist that, that suggested that I would incite black audiences to riot, and Spike Lee replied with uh, he saying that I don't remember people saying some were going to come out of theaters killing people after they watch Arnold Schwarzenegger films, you know. Like it's 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 that exact yeah. same you know contrast mm. of like uh, there's this white big fucking white Caucasian Austrian actor killing literally probably 10 people per like every 10 minutes. And yet, you know, you're not, no one's going out there with a shotgun saying, hasta la vista, baby, you know, it's, Mm. yeah. 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 No. And and I think that kind of, that unfortunate reaction or phenomenon Mm. um, that happened when this film came out, uh, but yeah, you know, explained, said why, no, it's right. But that kind of just, justified why a film like this needed to be seen by everyone um but jabriel sorry continue yeah so my my point of view of the last like act was every single character in that situation from my point of view didn't make the right decision there was like a cascade of just bad decisions like these guys i think what sparked it off was I can't remember the Martin Lawrence's character and the three others, the girl and the two other guys. I can't remember their characters, uh, but they come into the store and they're kind of like rowdy and they wanted to close up. So Pino kind of was getting pissed. And then um, Radio Rahim comes in with bugging out and then they start being a little bit aggressive towards Sal. And then they, the, the words start flying racial slurs and then it just, keeps on going and going and going and going. And um, I feel like every single character had a part in what ensued, you know? And I think it's really interesting that you, uh, I, I've never heard that theory before because a lot of people have wondered. Yeah, like I feel the, the reason why uh, Spike Lee titled this movie Do the Right Thing was he was questioning every single character in the movie and basically by extension people in similar communities like, if they're making the correct decisions. And like uh, Mookie's sister in the movie, Jade, 
she actually questions bugging out's character like you have so much energy why don't you put it into something positive that might actually make a change and he's just like eh, whatever you know like and i think she was used as the voice of spike lee in this movie and um yeah yeah well because i think a lot of people when they hear the title and watch the movie they think that the question is did mookie do the right thing mm. at the end when he chose to, you know, transition from being a rather, you know, a rather passive spectator into being an active participant, pick up that trash can and throw it through the window. Um, but I really like that your 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 question was, um, no, why? What about the rest of the characters? Why don't we ask the, that question mm -hmm. about all of them? And that you think the answer is no, that not 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 Mookie, not anyone in this film did the right thing when they had the choice between right and wrong. I like to say I'm pretty proud of Jabril for coming up with it. <laughs> a little a little movie critics <laughs> critics. beautiful but yeah no it's it's, it's beautiful jabriel um you're making making us very proud um yeah and yeah i guess maybe we could rate this movie now that we're almost running out of time yeah yeah um i guess i'll i'll go first you know i'll i'll uh i'll take the throne here um I think the style, the music, the colors, the characters, the design, and the fashion really help embellish the era and the heat of this summer day. But it also places Spike Lee in the pantheon of unique filmmakers, empowering black lives, black culture, and creating such an important film that voices the political and racial discourse that America is still boiling in. So this makes it such a timeless and relevant tale, whether you watched it 20 years ago or you watch it now, because America seems to be in the same predicament. I would like to give this film 10 Jordans out of 10. <laughs> Ooh. Well said, my friend. Scuff Jordans or clean Jordans? Clean, clean. Well, actually, clean. you know what? A bit scuffed because you know what? Every film is a little dirty. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, <laughs> I will go next then. I will, I will say that you just basically, you, you know, um, I think, you said it better than I could have possibly said it. And you took not just my score, but you also took the uh, unit I was going <laughs> to use. I was going to go with scuffed Air Jordans. Um, but yeah, no, I'll just say quickly before handing it over to you, Jabril, I think that this is pretty much a perfect film. I think I learn something new from it every single time I watch it. Um, I'm, You know, actually, Jabril, I think I wasn't too sure how I felt about this film when I first saw it, but it's something that's just grown in my estimation with every passing year. Um, I think on top of it, on top of it saying so much, it's just incredibly fun and enjoyable to watch. Uh, it's just pure joy. And so I will have to give it a, Hmm. I will have to give it 10 fire hydrants. Yeah. Out of 10. Fire hydrants. The things we don't know about. <laughs> Because uh, fire hydrants, I just think they represent the indecipherable, uncrackable, you know, just center <laughs> at the heart of racial injustice that we just will never understand and never know. We'll never get it. We'll never, we'll never, it. <laughs> we'll never be able no. to relate to it. <laughs> oh my God, what what is coming out of my mouth? This is absolute nonsense. Gabriel, Gabriel, please save me and give me. Um, He's drowning in a fire hydrant. <laughs> of, of really poor yeah. metaphors. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so the first time, this is the first time I've ever seen this movie. I thought I saw it before, but no, 100% first time I've seen this movie. And I do agree with you, Ollie. I do think that 
when I, like whenever I get like a chance to do a second watch or a third watch and it'll probably grow on me even more and more and more. But like you said, Raph, so many cool things in the movie, like the wardrobe. I love the color palette of the movie, mm. let's say. Mm. It's, it was just done so well. And like, I live in Bahrain and it's so hot right now and I have to turn off the air conditioning because <laughs> it's going to make this podcast sound like shit. So I really feel the heat, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, so at the moment, let's say, my grade is going to be, uh, ooh, tough. Okay, I'm going to give it 9 out of 10 Famous Sal's Pizza Slices. <laughs> nice, <laughs> I like it. Nice, nicely done. Great yeah, chat, everyone. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Let's do this okay. again. All right. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, uh, you send us off then, Jeremy. Yeah, so as usual, you know what to do. Like, share, subscribe. Uh, five stars, comments, you know what to do. Follow us on Facebook and on Instagram. I don't know if you've done that already or not, but please do. And uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Um, it was wash good your to... hands. Oh yeah, wash your hands, please. Try and be clean. You know, it's the summer. We wanna, we wanna have a good time. You know, so I guess I'll we'll leave it at that. Great talking to you guys as usual. Love talking about movies and catch you guys soon. Bye. Hey guys, if you like the show, don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us on both at The Movie Newbie. Thanks for listening, guys, and catch you soon.